Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At any point in the past 25 years of Staples history, I could have said, I want to start my own sneaker brand, right? I, I could have done that. But I was like, you know what? I've seen a lot of my friends try to start sneaker brands and it's challenging. And so why should I start a sneaker brand when I can call somebody at like Nike or New Balance or Timberland and be like, like, am I really going to make a boot better than Timberland? Like maybe in 20 years I will, you know? So like, how about I just work with Timberland and we sort of like complement each other on what we like to do. Yeah, yo, it's Will Lucas here, Afrotech, Black Tech, Green Money, and welcome to another episode. And so check it out. Just a couple of weeks ago, maybe like two, three weeks ago, Afrotech World, we welcome Jeff Staple to the stage. Jeff is a creative visionary with work encompassing graphic design, fashion design, footwear design, and brand marketing. He's the founder of the Read Art Department, which is also known as Staple Design. And he's worked on creative projects ranging from startup brands to Fortune 100 companies. He founded Staple in 1997, a New York-based pioneering streetwear brand with the now infamous Pigeon logo. 
And Jeff Stable is talking to our Jeff, Jeff Nelson, who is co-founder and CTO at Blavity at Afrotech World 2022. Hey, what's up, Afrotech World? This is Jeff Nelson. I am the co-founder and chief technology officer of Blavity, Inc. I'm here with a very special guest, uh, Jeff Staple. Got to say I like the name, uh, but I'm here and honored to have this conversation with you. With you, uh, Many people in our audience, I'm sure, are familiar with you. You are one of the OG visionaries uh, in so many, so many different industries, so streetwear, fashion, sneakers, design in general. Um, so it's cool to have this conversation with you and just learn about how, you know, your passion and how you develop your brands, but also how those brands are intersecting with technology as we look forward to the future and talking about Web3 and the metaverse and things like that. Um, so, so my first question is, you know, I want to take um, a trip down memory lane. So in, in 1997, you, you started Staple Design. Um, when I hear 1997, I don't know about you. I'm like, oh, 97, that wasn't that long ago. But when you do the math, that was 25 years ago, right? So you built this brand that has been relevant for literally decades, and it's transcended so many different things, right, that, that I just mentioned, you know, fashion, design, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk about when it clicked for you incorporating technology into these brands and all that you do, you know, sort of what was the genesis of that idea and how, how did that come to fruition? Um, well, first of all, Jeff, thanks for having me on and shout out to Afrotech and everyone out there watching. Um, definitely honored to be uh, part of this talk and share some ideas. Um, and I, I guess we must be of similar generation, Jeff, because I'm the same. Like when I hear that song, 93 till infinity, that doesn't feel that long ago to me, but 93 is like most of my employees weren't even alive yet. You know, I have to like remember that. Um, so it is it is crazy how time flies. Um, and it's definitely a blessing that uh, what I've been able to create has been able to transcend, you know, decades and generations. I see fathers and their kids both rocking staple and, you know, both rocking stuff that I've done. So it's really cool. Um, well, to answer your question about like technology and how that plays into fashion and art, this this occurred for me really, really early on, man. I mean, you know, I feel like half of this conversation is going to be about how, how I'm going to date myself. But I remember when we first started marketing, right, like the idea of like going viral or marketing meant uh, you would make a postcard at like they had these companies called like 1-800-POSTCARDS, which was honestly like a technological wonder because before that making flyers posters or postcards was like a very gated process like you really needed to know offset printers and stuff like that then these companies came out with this concept called called gang run printing which i know sounds really like you know mischievous but it's not gang run printing are these companies that basically said hey there's all these people throwing parties and they need flyers and they need invites and all these djs want to promote their night why don't, instead of working with them individually, why don't we call them all in, like 50 of them, and basically put all their flyers on one big printer and then print it all at once and slice them up and give it to each person, but everyone saves money, right? So it was like this sort of like really communal thing. And I remember when I would get postcards made and I would drop them off at like record shops and cafes and bars. The, my, my social media marketing budget at the time was basically how many inches of postcards I would leave at each establishment. So if I, I thought this place was like popping, I'd be like, 
they get two inches. I'm going to give them a yeah. two-inch stack, you know? <laughs> but it's like, if this place wasn't that popular, they get a quarter inch, you know what I mean? That was marketing back then. And even though it sounds really naive, but like I was using technology at the time of what I had, because before that, it was literally hand to mouth. Like you had to shake someone's hand and tell them about your brand. It was like word of mouth marketing. So this idea of using like postcards, something as dumb as that, you know, um, I, I, I learned really early that like, I have to go beyond myself and my ability to shake people's hands and kind of spread the knowledge as quickly as I possibly could. Um, obviously print advertising was something that was happening back then, you know, in magazines and stuff, but the moment the, the digital revolution started to happen where instead of putting an ad in a magazine and sort of crossing your fingers and being like, I hope hundreds of people see this, but I actually have no validation or idea if that's actually happening. You know, once once the analytics and the tracking of social media and, you know, just web one really like websites started to come. I don't know if you remember um, uh, Google came out with like Blogspot and like Blogspot yeah. pages were like the first blog. Right. And you could pick your template and stuff like that. And I remember they added this feature where you can add a little ticker to the side of your website to show how many people had visited your website. And that was like, you know, this is pre likes, pre retweets or anything, but it's like every day I would wake up and be like, holy, like 12 people came over the, over the course of last night and visited, you know, and you would just wait to see that thing. But like that initial tracking of idea was so cool. Um, and I just think that I've always tried to stay, um, somewhat, I, I want to say abreast of the technology. I don't want to call myself a technological innovator. Um, I, I do wait to see if when a technology comes out, if it has stickiness before I invest my time. You know, one thing that I want to emphasize is that time is the most valuable asset that any of us have. So for me to go in and be like, you know, I'm going to spend all of my money, time, energy, and effort on Vimeo, like, that would have sucked <laughs> like if I did that, you know, so like no, no disrespect to Vimeo, but like you got to pick and choose your battles to see like where you're going to go. Like, frankly, I'm not really on TikTok, nor is my brand. That might be a big mistake for my brand, you know, but we've chosen to be like, no, let's go. Let's go with Instagram. Um, and now, as you mentioned, it alluded to Web3. I mean, I'm, I'm all in on Web3 and I'm happy I am because I think if I had spent a lot of time and energy on TikTok, you know, maybe I might've looked at web three and been like, I don't have time for another thing. You know, I can't go into that. So that's sort of like my, my foray into technology. That, that's so cool. And, and it's really interesting. I mean, you, you tell the story about the postcards and how, you know, back then you were using tech even, you know, in, in the nineties when we don't think of those things as tech. Uh, but I think what it speaks to is just your ability to be, you know, relatively speaking ahead of the curve, even if just a step ahead. Right. Um, and that's, yeah. Super, super important. And so or it's, I, I call it scrappy. The hustler mentality, right? Which, yeah. which is so important. And so you, you made this bet on Web3 and crypto. You're doing a lot of things in that space. I am curious for someone with your back, background in, in you know, being a creative, um, especially being a physical creator. Now you're, you're, and I don't want to say transitioning because I don't think you're leaving that part of your, your ethos behind, but you're augmenting and, and complementing that with being a digital creator. So can you talk a little bit about that transition? What's different about creating in the digital space, but also what's similar uh, yeah. to, to your previous work? I mean, I got, I got to first preface this by saying my foray into Web3 is literally as of today, nine months old. 
Like mm -hmm. it is, it's brand spanking new. So it's completely fresh. It's complete. It's changing all the time. I'm learning every single day. People think I'm an expert. I'm not, nobody is an expert because it's constantly changing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I did dabble into uh, the Web3 NFT space last year um, by, through the means of collaboration, you know? And, and if you look at the course of my career, uh, some people say that, I'm like the king of collaborations, but it's not because I was trying to own collaborations as a concept. What I was always trying to do was again, not go all in on something. So for example, when you know, I'm, a, I'm a big sneaker head, I really love sneakers. At any point in the past 25 years of Staples history, I could have said, I wanna start my own sneaker brand, right? Mm -hmm. I, I could have done that. But I was like, you know what? I've seen a lot of my friends try to start sneaker brands and it's challenging. And so why should I start a sneaker brand when I can call somebody at like Nike or New Balance or Timberland and be like, like, am I really going to make a boot better than Timberland? Like right. maybe in 20 years I will, you know? So like, how about I just work with Timberland and we sort of like complement each other on what we like to do. So when it, when it came time to the NFT crypto web three space, I said, instead of me just going full boat all in on crypto and NFT, let me learn from people who have been in it slightly longer. Um, and so my my first collaboration was, was with a company called Zora, Z-O-R-A, which I suggest all of you check out. They're like the, the new marketplace. Secondly, then I collaborated with Artifact, R-T-F-K-T, which is a, you know, they're like the new digital Web3 brand, if you will. They actually just got acquired by Nike. Um, and then the third one was Gary Vaynerchuk and, and his V Friends program. So my first three steps into the space were with handheld with an expert or an expert at the time. And that allowed me to get a taste of it. And again, justify to myself whether this is going to be something that I really want to invest a lot of time, energy and effort into. Obviously, I did. And then so we launched Stapleverse just a couple of months ago. Um, and it's been a game changer. So to answer your question, what do I love about uh, working in this space? There, there's two main things. Number one is that coming from someone who has made physical goods all their life, a lot of it overseas, you know, there are a ton of logistical hurdles that are in the creator's way in terms of getting something physically made, whether it's supply chain, minimum order quantities, middlemen, salesmen, shipping, tariffs, customs, all of this BS is essentially set up so that as many people as possible can make their slice of the pie, you know? And, and it's, it's the most unstreamlined thing ever. And the other thing is because of that, every time there's a hurdle, you are sacrificing a concept or an idea. You're like, oh, is it going to be eight weeks to make that thing that I wanted? All right, forget that thing. Let's just get it done. You know? And so that's a, that's a creative sacrifice that you're making, you know, in, in this world, in the digital world, anything I dream, if it can be coded, it happens. It's like, it's like me, my, it's like my brain, a coder consumer. That's it. There's like no, nothing else, you know? And so that's really beautiful. Uh, and then the second thing that I really love about this is obviously ownership of your IP. You know, traditionally, if you think about being a fashion brand or a footwear brand, the success of your, of your brand is a lot of times beholden on a retail store or like a sneaker store. You know, like if you have a sneaker brand, if you're not doing business with Foot Locker, you're probably not really doing business. You know what I mean? Uh, it's very, very difficult. Same with like department stores. Or if you're an artist, if you're not going to be signed by a gallery or like a museum, it's very hard for you to break through, you know? And think about it now. If you sell your work to a galleryist, 
right? You, you get money for that transaction. Now that gallerist is gonna sell it to another collector. You now as a traditional artist or painter does not get any more money. And then when that guy now sells it to another collector, you, the, the chain of, of revenue stream stops for you, right? In, in the NFT world, because of the blockchain, and smart contracts, I can put into my smart contract that I, the creator of this work, forever in perpetuity, wants 10% of, of, uh, of royalty on this. Oh, I can make up the percentage. And now every time that product or NFT or whatever is flipped, you just keep making perpetual royalties. Yeah. And that's a game changer. And it's not even, a, I mean, yes, it's a financial game changer, but it's a game changer because it's almost like, it's almost like buying a car and having fuel in your car every day. It's like, it's fuel for creativity. You know, I don't have to worry about the next thing because my, my babies are out there making money for me, you know? So that's the beautiful thing about um, this space. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because we've been talking a lot um, this year in our Afrotech series we've had, you know, we had Afrotech Miami in February where we talked a lot about NFTs and crypto and um, NFTs are, are, you know, this new concept and not, not everybody gets it. Some people still, and admittedly myself, before I really dug into the space, I was like, oh, these are just JPEGs, right? But what you just mentioned, that smart contract, there's so much power in that where you can, if it can be coded, right? And you talk about creators and the ability to literally program in royalties, right? Where anytime a transaction happens, boom, 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 it's all backed by crypto. It's all backed by the blockchain and it just happens, right? Mm -hmm. That gives you, that as an artist, that gives you so much leverage. So, so you know, thanks for uh, really demystifying that and putting it in layman's terms. So yeah, uh, people I'll, give you, I'll give you another analogy about yeah. people because I have a lot of like friendly of debates. Yeah, okay. a lot of friendly debates with with friends who are like, "Yo, you're just selling JPEGs. It's it's worthless," you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you remember the day when I got a blue check on Instagram? How salty you were! And they're like, <laughs> "Yeah." I was like, "You you actually told me that day you would pay money for a blue check." And I'm sure we all know people that would pay fifty dollars, five hundred dollars, probably five thousand dollars for a blue check. Yeah. So wait, you're gonna pay five thousand dollars for a a JPEG that's this right. big, what does that mean? It's it's not because of the artwork of the blue check. It's because of the it's because of the value that it holds when it sits on your telephone. That's right. that's the only place it sits. You know what I mean? So when when I tell people that, they're like, "Fine, I kind of understand." <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like it's the connection that it has. You know, um, so we are already as humans trading on a on a on a digital only landscape. You know, like. Hey, if you if you go out and you buy an incredible piece of furniture like a Herman Miller chair or sofa, right? Great, congrats. You and six of your closest friends and family have seen that chair. Every other person that you're going to show that chair to, you're probably showing it to them on this device. Yeah. That like 99% of the people that are going to see it, see it through this device. So you're already trading equity and value and clout on the mobile device digitally. And NFTs are just sort of like taking it all the way there where it's like, let's just forget the physical. Like, and that's, that's the scary part is because people are like, I don't want to forget the physical. It makes me feel good. You know, but if you think about it, as you said, it's less about an abandoned abandonment of the physical. It's just an added extension of it. Then I think it makes people feel more comfortable. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase while only 4% of black businesses do the same. 
So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. That's a perfect analogy there. Um, and, and so there, there must be something about Jeff's, right? Because I can, can relate to this aspect of, of your story is this inability to be satisfied with just doing one thing, right? So, you know, you, you, we, we talked about, um, you know, since the 90s, how you've been, you've had your hands in so many different places, right? You're, you're certified sneakerhead, streetwear, fashion, design, you've got retail stores, all these different things. Now in the Web3 space, we talked about, you know, and alluded to the NFTs, but you've got the Stapleverse, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're here in Afrotech world in the Afrotech metaverse. Uh, you've got the Stapleverse. Tell me what is the Stapleverse, why it's cool, and why you decided to create that. The Stapleverse is my own personal Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like, I don't know if, you, if there's any Marvel fans out there, but like, I'm a huge Marvel fan. And you know, one of the most impressive things is like the fact that, you know, this this saga has gone on for like 25 movies deep now, even more decades long, you know. But if you think about the genius of like, you know, the, the latest one of the latest Marvel movies that came out is uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, right? Those Ten Rings appeared in Iron Man 1, like over a decade ago. So, you know, the producers just created this entire universe and they're just taking us along for the ride on this incredible journey. And so what I'm doing now with Stapleverse is very similar. I get to create, sure, I love making clothes. I love making shoes. I love retail, all that stuff. But now I get to create storytelling, lore, characters. I get to take them on different journeys all over the world. I even get to take them outside of planet Earth if I wanted to. Like I could go to another another planet, right? It's literally only limited by my imagination. But with that being said, we are starting chapter one of Stapleverse right here in New York City where I came from. So I'm, I'm sort of mirroring my journey uh, in the physical world through the NFT world so that people get a really good understanding of my roots and my history. So it's interesting, like our, our mascot is a pigeon and everyone really knows our brand because of the pigeon logo. So when there was news that we were coming out with this NFT project, they assumed it was going to be like 10,000 pigeon profile <laughs> pictures, right? Yeah. And I, you know what? I probably would have made decent money if I did that. It probably would have been a fine project, but I, I sort of zigged when everyone thought I was going to zag. And what we did was we released 10,000 feed items. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these feed items are basically, in my mind, foods that you would see a New York City pigeon eating. And they're real like New York City strange things. Like you, we've got like obviously like pizzas and bagels and coffee beans and tea bags, but we also got weird things like 
a syringe, a subway token, like a used condom, a cockroach. They're just like real grimy New York City stuff, right? And the idea is that you buy these feed NFTs and then later on, and actually later on, I'm talking about like in about two weeks, you would take that feed and you have to now toss it to try to catch a pigeon. Similar to if you're sitting in Central Park and you're trying to get pigeons, you have to like toss them food, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you toss food and try to get a pigeon, you get shat on by a pigeon also, <laughs> right? So we have this whole gamification where like you buy feed, you now have to throw your feed out, try to catch a pigeon, but you might catch a pigeon shit NFT also. Okay. And because now we have these three factions, we have the people who will get pigeons, the people who will get poop and the people who will not throw out their feed. They want to keep their feed. There's this like interaction gamification that's happening where like the three crews are sort of like battling with each other. And this goes back to my early days of like DJ battles and B-boy battles. It's just like, I love these crews that organically form. Uh, and it just, friendly competition it just makes all you know everyone like work harder and, and be more um, invested in what they're trying to do it, you know it's amazing that these concepts that we do see in the physical world right um how they translate into these digital spaces and, and what you're talking about is really this cross-section of so many different things gamification art right what's going on a physical thing that happens um in in new york city with, with pigeons right um it's really really cool and i'm curious when you first heard about this idea of a metaverse and, and these digital universes and digital spaces, um, you know, to, to some extent, it probably made sense that this could be interesting, but did it always make sense that you could build a profitable, profitable business on this model in this space? Was that something that was always apparent to you? And, and if, if so, you know, then is, are you just a genius or if not, like, what was, what was the point in time when that really did click for you? You know, I like to consider myself like half businessman, half artist. Hmm. I think the, the artist side of me says like, I don't go into a new venture because of the money, hmm. right? Like a businessman or a businesswoman says, I'm going to venture into this new thing. And the ROI has to be there. Hmm. The money I put in, I have to get it back 10x or I'm not even going to do it, right? The artist is different because the artist will be like, I mean, a smart artist will say, listen, I don't want to lose my pants on this deal, right? But I don't mind if I don't make money or don't make a lot of money, as long as I don't go bankrupt doing this, but it fulfills me creatively, I'm down to explore it. And so when it comes to this space, I didn't do it for the money. I knew that there was a possibility of making money, but if, it, if I didn't have the ability to express my artistic needs through this medium, I wouldn't have touched it, you know, like... I, like, why wouldn't I open? Like, you know what? If you want to make money in New York City, you know what you do? You buy a parking garage. <laughs> parking parking yeah, is mad expensive in New York City. So if I wanted to make easy money, I would get a parking lot. But that's not creatively fulfilling for me, you know, so I'm not going to go there. Um, this NFT space was very creatively fulfilling for me because, as I said, I get to create anything that I want to do. It definitely was helpful that there was this potential of a golden pot at the end of this rainbow. But I would have also been happy if there wasn't. And I just got to create, put stuff out there. Um, the fans that I already have have a new way of interacting with my brand. Um, and it's really dope. I got to say, like the fan base in the NFT space is very different than Web2, Instagram, Twitter. It's like mm -hmm. they're, they speak a whole different way. They're very, very supportive. You know how on Twitter and Instagram, it's like there's just 
you get into these rabbit holes of like, you know, just hate and criticism and like depression and stuff. But like, it is so positive right now in the NFT space. And I'm sure it'll regulate, you know, in a bit. But right now, everyone is really gung ho. You got these sayings that are like, LFG, like, let's effing go. And like, Wagmi is like, we all gonna make it, you know, like, all of these things are like really dope. Um, and I, I, I love the positive. I, I was actually really surprised. Two things surprised me about this space. One is how inspired I was by how positive the community was. And number two, frankly, like a year ago, you know, I collect vinyl records, comic books, sneakers, right? Um, I never thought that I would be into collecting, as you said, JPEGs in a folder, right? That didn't seem like something interesting to me, but it happened about a month ago where I looked at my like crypto NFT wallet and I started doing that thing that collectors do. Like I started moving stuff around. I started saying, you know what? I need one more to just fill out that series that I'm trying to fill out. You know, it, wine collectors do it, watch collectors do it, you know, like art collectors do it. And I started doing it with JPEGs on my computer. And I, and I checked myself because I was like, wow, it's happening. This is happening to me. And, and I have a great internal radar temperature check on myself that if I'm feeling something, there's a damn good chance that hundreds of other people are feeling the same thing. So it, it becomes like a real thing for me, you know, and that just happened like a month ago. So, so I'm curious as, as an avid collector of many things, you know, both in the physical world, right? So sneakers, right? I, I'm like a baby sneakerhead. I, I like bought, um, I went from having, you know, up until last year, like two pairs of shoes ever to now I have like, you know, maybe like 30 pairs, right? So I'm yeah, yeah. Sneakerhead, really, really trying to get into it. So, um, you know, I'm, I I'm curious, I'm curious for you in the physical world, like when you're collecting things, what is the thought process? Like what attracts you to something that you say, hey, this is valuable or this is something that I want in my collection? And how is that similar or different uh, than that thought process in the, in the physical, in the digital space? Uh, it's, it's the same, first of all. But I love this question because um, there's, there's a, to me, there's a fine line between a collector and a curator. Okay. Mm. A collector is a speculator. They go out and say, what is the inherent upside value of this investment that I'm about to make? It's an asset, right? It's an asset investment, right? A curator says, I don't care what the resale value of this is going to be. I like it. It speaks to me. I F with this, right? And even if someone says, yo, that's whack. It's already like below retail or whatever. Like, I don't care. I like it. You know, I remember when I was young, there used to be these stores in, in, in the Northeast called like VIM and Dr. J's, right? And Models. These are like not cool sneaker stores. They're basically like sporting goods stores. And I remember I would like look in the bargain bins and in the 70% off racks and I would try to find a gem. And my goal would be that like, I found something on the closeout rack. I rock it to school the next day and people are like, yo, what are those? I've never seen those. I'm like, that's right. You don't know where I got these. And I ain't telling you <laughs> that to me is the biggest goal. Not to go into the hypest sneaker store, wait online five hours, buy something for 5X retail, rock it and be like, yo, wow. You, it's like, yeah, no, no shit, Sherlock. Like everyone knew that these were the hottest things on earth. But if you can unearth like a gem, that to me is like what a curator does. And that's what I've been doing with sneakers and comic books and vinyl all my life. Like I have a very obscure collection of stuff. It's not like the hypest stuff, but I do believe that it's a representation of me. And that's the same thing when it comes to uh, with NFTs. Like, the, the the sort of hallmark names are like crypto punks or like board apes and stuff. I don't have any of those. I have all these things that I just personally really love. 
Um, and I, I, I wish more people, whether they were creatives or not creatives, instead of looking at your favorite influencer or magazine or blog to tell you what to buy, I wish they would look in the mirror more and be like, what do you want? Like, what do you actually want? Like, forget what the magazine or the blog tells you. Like, what do you actually want to wear? You know? Um, and I think people will just get a lot more enjoyment out of it and they won't get so stressed out about like fluctuations and trends coming and going and stuff like, cause you're just being real with yourself, you know? Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Yeah, that's that's profound advice. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, earlier you said uh, you're you're the king of collaboration, or you're 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 known by some other people say. Yeah, I don't yeah, say right, it. right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Not self-acclaimed, right? But, but some <laughs> no. people. We'll call you the king of collaboration. And I think you have a great example about, you know, not creating, you know, not trying to compete with Timberland because it will take you 20 years to do what they do. Right. And and to some extent, um, 
in the physical world, collaboration is necessitated because expertise is decentralized, right? Uh, there are barriers to entry to be good or great at something. And so it makes sense to go to someone who is great at something else and you're great at something else and you can come together and build something that's you know better than, than the two of you as individuals, right? I'm curious in, in the digital space, what would your advice be to businesses and creators and anyone who wants to collaborate in the digital space, in the metaverse, because seemingly the barriers are minimized, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said earlier, if you can think it and you can code it, it can be done, right? So if, if those barriers are minimized, how should people think about collaboration instead of everyone just sort of going yeah. and doing their own things and you've got a, this proliferation of, of everything that is sort of kind of the same? What, what are your thoughts on that? Dude, that's a that's a great question. I mean, like you're right, but in the web two, web one world, it was about different types of expertises coming together, right? Mm -hmm. I think like so, as I mentioned, I've only been in the space for nine months, but in this nine months, I have collaborated with like three to five different groups. I'm working on other collaborations as well. So I'm still collaborating with people in the space, but what I've noticed that's different is that when we collaborate in the NFT space, it's more like we're both finding out stuff together. We're both discovering at the same time. And I almost sort of like want to give an analogy. If you can imagine the picture of like, imagine you and a buddy are walking into a, like a dense forest together and you've got like a weed whacker, right? And you're just like hacking away at the weeds and you're just trying to find the path, right? Everyone in the NFT space right now, literally, I want to say everyone, even people who you think are like experts and veterans in the NFT space, they are hacking away. We are all trailblazing right now. There is no predisposed path for us to follow in this because the entire universe was only created just a few years ago. You know, So everything that everyone is doing is brand spanking new. And so when I collaborate with people, it's almost like, hey, let's take what you've learned, your, your, your very small learnings and my very small learnings. If we add them together, we've got a little bit better learning and now we can navigate this a little bit better and, and get maybe a little bit ahead. That's why I, I found the reason why I've been collaborating with people so far. It's more like knowledge information sharing. It's like a, it's like if you're on a treasure hunt or like a you know wild goose chase or like an Easter egg hunt, you know, you like share clues with each other to figure out how to get to the solution. That's kind of what web three NFT collaboration is like. Whereas web two, web one collaboration is more about one plus one equals 10. It's like, yo, you do this great, I do this great. If we come together, we gonna make it rain, <laughs> you know, like if that's what it's more about, but it's like, no, nah, it, no one thinks like that in, in Web3. Web3 is like, let's do this right for the culture because it's almost like we have a subculture that we feel responsible for the future of, you know? It's like, I would maybe equate it to like early, early skateboarders or early, early graffiti artists. Like we have to take care of this culture so it doesn't like go to shit basically, you know? Yeah. That's a that's great question. I never thought of that until now. That's no, I mean, you're dropping gems and I love how you simplify everything with these analogies because it just makes it so understandable. And that's really what we're trying to do uh, here at Afrotech with these conversations with people like you and, and other uh, great people in the space that we've had the pleasure of speaking with. Appreciate is just, it to help to demystify it for the audience. So, so I appreciate that. Uh, the last question I've got for you is, um, is something that I'm personally really, really curious about. Uh, as a, you know, as a, as a creator and someone who's been doing this, you know, like as we said, for decades, right? When you're in a creative rut, right? When you hit that block, 
what are some things you do? What are some ways that you find inspiration to get yourself going again? I'm, I'm really curious, like what your techniques and tips there are. I mean, this is going to be different for everyone, right? So it's to each his own. But as you know, I exist in this space and in this in this community called street culture, right? And the reason why they call it street culture is because people, like real people, walk and operate in these streets, right? So street culture to me is like taking the subway or taking the bus or just walking five miles in your hometown, right? That to me is the essence of street culture. And that's what makes it different than like, high fashion or couture fashion, right? Because, hey, that outfit that you wore walking down the catwalk or, or runway looks really beautiful, but ain't gonna work on Fulton Ave or like, you know, like right. Nordstrom, you know what I mean? Like, so like real people in these real streets is what streetwear is all about. And so when I get in a rut, what I like to do is I like to travel. And I wanna, I wanna put an asterisk on that word travel because I realize that travel is a privilege, right? Not everyone in this world can be like, I'm going to go to JFK and travel now, right? But I want to put an asterisk on that word travel because sometimes when I don't have the ability to actually go out and travel, travel could actually just mean taking a different path to work. Like take a different train. It, when you walk your dog, don't go right, go left, like go the other route, you know, and just see a different block, see a different neighborhood. You know how many people that live in New York City that have like never been the Queens or the Bronx, you know, like just go there for dinner one night, right? That is traveling. And I think when I do that, um, I just love seeing how different people in different communities operate, live and breathe. Listen, I've got a, I've got a globally known clothing brand that this year is the 25th anniversary of. It wouldn't be successful if I only made stuff for people who lived only in downtown New York City. I had to go out there and see LA, Miami, Houston, Atlanta, Berlin, Tokyo, London, and be like, oh, this is how street culture and, you know, street culture. I mean, real, when I say street culture, I mean, real people in real streets, right? This is how real people in real streets just live, breathe and operate. Now me as a creator, I want to make stuff for them. And I think that is one of the secret sauces for why staple has continued to spread because it wasn't too niche. It wasn't too insulated. It was sort of democratic for everyone and everyone who sort of just like is not fancy runway model kind of looking, you know, shopping at the most highest end department stores. Um, but I deliberately did that all throughout. And so when I need inspiration, I just turn to my, my customer, really, I just go to the street, I'll sit at a cafe on a corner and I'll just people watch. Um, and I try to do it as much as I can outside of my comfort zone of my hometown of my home neighborhood. Uh, and just, just get out there and see the world, get you know, take a bus, take a walk, whatever. But if you get stuck in a rut, I find just seeing something outside of your normal perspective, perspective helps tremendously. And that's sage advice. And really the way you, you framed it is like, turn to your customer, right? And if you mm -hmm. want to, uh, and that's true for any entrepreneur, right? You turn to your customer and if you want to grow the business, right? turn to different customers, right? Get out of your comfort zone and, and experience, yeah. you know, different energies. Um, yep. so, so that's dope. Uh, Jeff, I, I appreciate you stopping by and, and having this, this talk, man. You this dropped so many gems. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I'm excited about the conversation. I know everyone in attendance is as well. Uh, so real quick. Yeah. Just where can people find you on social? Any things you want to highlight before we sign off? Yeah. I mean, I'm on the socials at Jeff Staple, all one word. Um, follow me on, you know, the, the latest in fashion, streetwear, sneakers, retail, design. It's a lot. Uh, NFTs, metaverse. But uh, if, if you go down um, 
and hang with us. You can learn a lot, I think. So hope to see you on the other side. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. And it's produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Marissa Lewis. Special thank you to Micah Davis, Jermaine Hall, and Vanessa Serrano. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! (laughs) And outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic. And at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. 
Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.